topic today that I want to talk about is something that I care immensely about. And other people, as Americans, should care much, much more about than what I'm seeing in my day-to-day. And what that is, is free speech. And in this case, what I want to talk about is the opposite. Some, the opposite of free speech, which is some censorship. Now, I've been a YouTube fan since the beginning of YouTube. Uh, I found YouTube in its infancy back in 2006 when it was definitely less than a year old, you know, just a few months or so. And it was a wild place back then. Um, pretty much anything was fair game on YouTube back then. I mean, um, pretty much if it wasn't porn, if it wasn't murder, and gore beyond like an R-rated film, it was pretty much okay for YouTube. Um, There's even a period where YouTube was known for like really graphic fighting and drug use. Like people were smoking crack on YouTube. And I think to some degree, degree people are still doing like weird drug videos on YouTube. But anyway, um, and it was a place where pretty much anything, anything goes. And quickly it shot up in popularity, like insanely fast. Millennials know the rise that YouTube had. It it totally rocketed and dominated the internet, kind of like Facebook does today. And the trend was that a lot of people were getting famous and rich from YouTube really, really fast. Like people were leaving their jobs, leaving their careers because their careers became making content on YouTube. And it was an excellent source of income. It was, you know, by all means, um, a, a big enough income to, you know, support your life. I mean, there were people, oh, that were, you know, part of the early partners program that were making six-figure pay easy on YouTube. And within the last, like, five or six years, um, the adpocalypse hit, and then the censorship hit that's still going on today. And that's what got me really interested in, like, fighting um, censorship and got me really aware of it because I was seeing all these content creators that I cared about, that I watched on a daily basis, um, you know, pissing and moaning about what YouTube was doing. And it was really upsetting to these people that basically their um, their content was getting demonetized um, for what has appeared to be the trend is that it's it's political in nature um, because these people that are getting demonetized they're not um, breaking YouTube's terms of service as they are written and it's it's trending that basically the right wings are getting um, demonetized and in a way censored on YouTube because they're taking away an endorsement by demonetizing them and they're taking away their income and creating circumstances that are not justified by any uh, written, you know, rule that is um, keeping the playing field from being level because other people are promoted, you know, you know, some are being promoted and others are not, and they're making money off it. But that is not the topic today specifically. The topic is censorship. But the topic that I wanted to talk about was 
about a young woman that I saw on a Steven Crowder event on February 6th. Um, he came to Virginia Tech campus and did a live Q&A. It was his first live show, and it was a, a pretty successful, pretty big um, just live show where he took questions from the audience and talked about the topics that I assume these students care about. And the very first question that was asked was by this young woman named Rachel, who writes for the school's newspaper, the Collegiate Times. And before I get into it, I'm just going to play a quick clip from the actual event so you can hear it in context, how she described it, and then I will detail my interaction with her that I had after. So real quick, I'm going to play this quick clip from the actual Crowder live event that was at Virginia Tech. Rachel Kaiser. Rachel Kaiser. Thank you, Rachel Kaiser, for attending the show. We appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Yeah. I am a reporter for the Collegiate Times, which is the newspaper here at Virginia Tech. Sounds about right. And last week, I wrote an article about your show, to which my editor-in-chief replied back to me and declined it three times based off the fact, and I quote, that my writing on it was objectively and grossly misconstrued, and that we, as Collegiate Times, cannot aid in the providing of a platform that is the land of hate speech and something and support someone that is so hateful and disgusting. Not disgusting, so, yeah. <laughs> not get Jared's on the stage. So I would like to know how you would define hate speech since you as yourself are expressing your freedom of speech sure. and any comments towards the Collegiate Times based off their um, censoring of journalism, especially in collegiate um, areas. Thank you very much, Ms. Kaiser. Yes. Thank you for the question. We appreciate it. Thank you. Okay, so if you want to hear the rest of that, you can go and subscribe to Crowder and see his content, blah, 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 blah. This is not, um, you know, meant to be an endorsement for him. I just wanted to show that in context. So, her question was about hate speech um, because when she talked to her editor-in-chief, she was told that, as you heard in that quote, she was turned down because they will not... Um, basically provide a platform for somebody who is so hateful and promotes hate speech and is so, you know, disgusting, blah, 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 blah. Um, and I want to play real quick a bit of my interview that I had with her. I called her um, pretty much as soon as I could after I found a way to contact her. I got on the phone with her and I asked her about her experience with this, um, how the writing process went, the research that she did, on Crowder and what the article was about. And I now have a copy of the article that I've read and with her permission, I may post so you can see the nature of the article that she wrote. Um, so here's a little bit of the interview. Hello. Austin? Yes, this is Rachel. Hi, it's Rachel. Hey, how, how are, are you? you? <laughs> I'm doing well. Uh, good Friday morning off from work. How are you? I'm doing well as well. Good. I also have off work. I'm just working on some other stuff in the meantime. Cool. Um, other writings? Um, schoolwork. Oh, okay. I scoped you out on the internet a little bit and read some of the things that you write, and I must say that I I thoroughly enjoyed your piece on watching whether... I can't remember if it was The Bachelor or The Bachelorette, but that was funny. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I figured because like, I'm also an editor, so I just, I'm constantly editing articles about The Bachelor, so I'm just like... It. let's just see what it's actually about right 
I admittedly have watched it before too, and while I was entertained, I had uh, horrible, you know, um, perception of the show. Just I thought it was an awful show, but oh yeah, <laughs> oh yeah, um, but it's addicting though. It's just like hard to turn away from it almost. Yeah, and <laughs> they they bring um, the most desirable stereotypes alive in people on that show too. I must say, so it's it's um. There's no thinking involved when you try to figure people out, I would say. Oh, absolutely. Everybody is just so transparent. Yeah. So, like, um... Everybody that's just A the same and just B perfect. Yeah. It's, just, it's just hilarious. <laughs> um, so, I don't know um, the laws where you are, but because Florida is a two-party state, I must ask you if you mind me recording our conversation. No, I don't mind. Okay. Um... So the primary um, reason why I wanted to talk was what I originally messaged you about, which was basically um, you feel that there was a bit of censorship going on between your editor-in-chief over you, and you tried to write a piece for the Collegiate Times, right? Mm-hmm, yes. Um, any chance that, after you describe this to me, any chance that I could um, see the article or get a link to it? or could yeah, you ju- Or I could can, you just summarize it? Um, I can send it to your email if you would like, but I can also summarize it to you as well. Okay. Um, I suppose after we talk, um, I can, I can write down my email to you in our Facebook message. Yeah, absolutely. And then I can send to you because I, I was told to edit it a couple of times, but I still kept the original. Okay. Even before it was rejected. So I still managed to keep it. Because I personally enjoyed the piece that I wrote. Gotcha. Um, so even though it had been edited ne- uh, a few times, it never was published? Correct. Okay. Yeah, um, unanimously, it was, I spent about three hours trying to get, like, changing certain things about the article because they said it was, it had a biased undertone to it, which I had never personally heard of him before this. Okay. So I was never, I wasn't really entirely sure how that was, and I just, I honestly, just like someone told me about it, and I thought it would be an interesting topic to discuss, since, you know, it's a mostly conservative school, and it would offer, like, a different viewpoint to things. So I just looked up some videos of his, and then I just wrote a synopsis about him and his life and what he talks about, and pretty much him coming to tech as well, and then also the different... Um, what's it called? Youth um, organization groups were supporting him, and also I found that there was like a protest group happening, so I also wrote about that as well. Protest group at, at um, Virginia Tech. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was the Young Democrat uh, Socialists of America. <laughs> okay. And then yeah. the LGBTQ IAP, they were also doing like a small protest. Okay. Linked with them, yeah. Yeah, I, d- I don't know who they were with, but I saw um something in Crowder's video about people like um removing the advertisements for him coming to campus in the middle of the night yeah I did hear about that too I'm I'm not sure who that was but they believe that it was a link between the two of them oh yeah like the holding the protest yeah I'm not definitely not pointing fingers at the two groups you mentioned but somebody there was not happy about him coming oh absolutely Um, there's definitely a little bit of you know anger a little bit of frustration some people didn't want him there yeah so 
your, I guess, research that you did on Stephen and his group and stuff before he came, what, um, can you summarize your article a little bit before I personally read it, just so I can understand, like, the grounds of, um, his decision? I'm assuming the editor was a guy, didn't you refer to him? But, um, yes. okay, so what was, I mean, just so I can understand, like, his grounds of why it was rejected. So I start off the article with, I also do like a lot of creative writing and like journalism. I really try to incorporate the creative writing in here and like also like kind of a semi-satirical and like witty undertone to it, which was also one of his reasons why he said that. He said that it could be grossly misconstrued, my level of satire, and that it could also be misinterpreted and taken right the wrong way or like to have like a bias but I was just mostly playing on a you know using a play of words so I started off with like a series of like rhetorical questions and then I talked about how the young Americans for freedom were hosting him and then I go on by kind of explaining what like his grounds are and what honestly what Loudworth Crowder was because most people haven't heard of him I didn't even hear of him of him so I was just evoking kind of like in a satirical sense of his conservative ideas based off pretty much what was, you know, what he was writing about. And I kind of talked about his life as well. And then also like what his videos were composed of as well with some quotes. And then I also wrote about how the young Democrats and socialists were going to be there as well. Host, um, how hosting like a, um, panel of like discussion and also protest, you know and that there's a way to get involved with that as well and then I kind of end on the note of you know having like that this is a good opportunity even if you don't believe in his views to be able to debate and stand up for what you believe in and also to you know ask questions if you don't understand what he believes in or um you know ask him you know inspiring questions if you do you know follow his beliefs and you know believe what he believes as well Okay. Um, so would you say that what you wrote, um, was more or less just a, um, an explanation of who he is and that he was coming and that it was an opportunity to speak and that by reading your article, people would be no more or less inclined or, you know, um, discouraged to come see him? Yeah. And do you do you think that the editor in chief was not allowing it? Because I mean, the, your question that you asked Stephen in his live show was about hate speech, and you quoted him. You quoted your editor in chief saying that um, that he was hateful and disgusting. Um, do you think that it it's his opinion that he just doesn't want any content about the guy at all in the paper? Personally, from what I read and then what he sent me in his email, I think that even though I edited three different times and took out any sort of whatever could be biased and I sent it up to my editor and then my editor for the lifestyles piece that I was writing for. And she said that she felt strongly that it was fine to publish, but the editor and she said that he would not publish anything that was on this content. And that he originally said that he felt like it was promoting like, I was, like, promoting, like, hate speech. 
based off what I like, based off like what research they did of the person because they didn't know anything about him. But I just mentioned, you know, his conservative beliefs as well, and also some things that he didn't believe in. But apparently, they googled him and they said that what he had said was you know, too hateful to publish. So I think it was based off beliefs, personally, of the editor. And he just didn't want that kind of content published. But it also made me think about what's above the editor. And I'm, like, thinking about Virginia Tech as a whole. Like, well, what would happen, in a sense, if he did publish it and Virginia Tech just lost, lost their head? You know, I can understand why he wouldn't want to just to kind of save his own ass in mm-hmm. a sense but right it's just like the idea of just not being able to publish something that's just you know a dictation of you know an event that's happening here nothing more nothing really less i'm not expressing that i agree with him or that i think he's like some pioneer for <laughs> republican life and that you know he's like my role model but I think that partially it is his decision, but I also think he was thinking about something on a grander, on a larger picture, which was how would the students of Virginia Tech and how would Virginia Tech as a whole react to this? Yeah. Um, the reason it was of interest to me was because you mentioned that it had been attempted to be edited, so you probably had some criteria to try to make it more suitable, and, mm-hmm. and the fact that um, the university had already allowed him to come on campus and speak so it's not like the any of the administration is boycotting right Crowder that was himself. my whole justification i mean i yeah i went through three different editing periods so i pretty much just like went through three trials of editing in a span of like three or four hours and then towards the end they just I mean, it was like the next day when it was supposed to be published and right i got an email saying yeah well, we've we've thought it over and we are we can't publish this so I, I was, yeah, I was confused. I'm like, how can you let someone come and speak at Virginia Tech, but we can't write about it? Yeah. That was kind of my stipulation. It wasn't even that I was, like, angry, you know, based off, like, like censoring, like, his beliefs, but just, like, well, he's he's here. Why can't I just write about him coming here? Yeah, because... Are we supposed to be writing for the, the people, you know, like, bringing, like, a voice to the people? Isn't that what journalism is? I'm just being, I'm just doing journalism. Exactly. And, um, and if it's for the purpose of, um, you know, that dicey topic of avoiding hate speech or whatever, chances are that there was going to be, um, something a lot more, you know, offensive or politically incorrect or whatever at his event than in your paper. Although, although people choose, you know, admission to his show, but... I don't know. At the same time, I would imagine that if anybody is going to be, uh, you know, um, offended or just unhappy about Crowder being there, it would definitely be at the actual event rather than something that you just wrote about him. Um, so I suppose what I want to do is is read your article now, um, but I do have a couple other questions just in general um, regarding when you asked Crowder at the show, um, were you satisfied with his answer about hate speech? I was, yeah. Just that he wouldn't define it at all? 
Mm-hmm. Just that yeah, free speech is free speech. It was an interesting stance. I wasn't expecting that answer, but I still think it was interesting. I wish he had elaborated more on the idea of censorship in journalism, or just like censorship in general. But I can, I could probably make a, a parallel theme with that. All right. Well, that was Rachel. She's pretty smart, right? She's pretty nice too. And. So she sent me her original article and the edited article after I'd spoke to her on the phone. And when I read them, my initial reaction was seriously like outrage because I didn't understand any reason why these articles should be edited at all. There's nothing provocative about them. There's no political undertones. There's no bias. There's no incitement of anything other than inviting people to go to an event she seriously just said here's who's coming here's a history of them here's who has invited and is host and is hosting them here and the campus is allowing them to come this is when it is and you should come and join the live Q&A conversation so after Realizing that it wasn't just a misunderstanding on Rachel's part and that there was an actual problem, I wanted to call the editor-in-chief. So I searched it up on the Collegiate Times website. It's very accessible information, and I found the editor-in-chief. goes by the name of Matt Jones, and I called him. When I called, the woman who answered who I will refer to just as a secretary, for lack of a better word, because she was the woman who answered and was screening calls, So I'm talking to her, and she asked me my name and my affiliation, and I answered honestly and just told them that I didn't have an affiliation with any organization. I was just calling on my own behalf, and I told her my name honestly, and I was just giving her some basic information like that. And she was relaying information to somebody uh, who I assume was Matt, either sitting right there or over the phone, just telling him the nature of why I was calling. And when it got to the point of me telling them that I was calling about Rachel and her article, because he was the editor, that was when there was a longer pause and I hit a snag and I started to get the runaround. And I know he was there. I know he was available because she was talking to him and telling him why I was calling. And then she comes back and tells me that he's not available by phone. And I insisted a few times that I speak to him over the phone, probably three times. I was very adamant. And she would not let me speak to him over the phone, and she insisted that I would have to email him. So whatever. I realized I wasn't going to talk to him at this point, and that he was avoiding me. So I emailed him, and I emailed him very clearly, and I just told him, hey, I talked to Rachel about the article she wrote. She told me you didn't want her to publish it. This is her quote, how she has quoted you. Uh, Do you want to clarify or say anything about this allegation before I move any further? It was longer than that, but that was the gist of it. It was very professional and nice. He hasn't responded. It's been two days now. And I know why he didn't respond. And I found that out after I checked on Twitter. Because I I googled him, and I found his Twitter page. And I know that it was the correct Matt Jones on Twitter. Because I could see in his bio that it said he was the editor-in-chief at the Collegiate Times. So score. I found the guy on Twitter and the first thing I noticed after his 
profile picture and bio was the cover photo or whatever that's called on Twitter, the big photo at the top. And what I noticed in the photo was a group of people who pretty clearly appeared to be protesters. So I would assume that he's advocating the protest that's going on in this photo, unless he has some weird irrational reason for posting a picture of protesters on his personal page. And the protesters in the group are holding signs, just like any healthy protest would, and these protest signs are clearly liberal causes. Uh, the signs say, defend dreamers, something about bigotry in the background on one of the signs. Uh, one of the signs says, right the wrong, which I think is like a, a play on words, something against the political right. And the biggest sign, not the biggest, but the most notable one that I saw was something about Islamophobia, obviously opposing Islamophobia. And that's kind of when it, it it dawned on me quickly that this dude not only was a total SJW, but he had either a personal or a political beef or both with Steven Crowder. Once he found out what he was about, he totally did not want any promotion for a guy like that coming to his school. Because if you know Crowder, he's made comments in opposition to Islam. Um, he's a he's a white male conservative, which is like the devil in a liberal's perspective. And he's pro-life. He has gone on campus and encouraged people to convince him one way or the other about this gender confusion. Um, he's been shown in a video, um, you know, disregarding the, the request to use correct gender pronouns, things like that. Just kind of a tough love kind of guy on these topics that are probably sensitive to Matt Jones' sensitive little heart. So really quickly I realized that he was not going to contact me back. And he probably didn't want to because he was scared because he doesn't want to defend what he's doing and what's going on here. And what's going on here is just simply what I expected, which is censorship. He's in a position of power over Rachel, and he's abusing that position of power as editor to not allow her to post an article that has any mention of opposition to his political and personal beliefs. This is undoubtedly wrong. And I think that's the problem with college campuses today and the college-age kids that are there. They're totally okay with this environment where it's okay to do this type of thing, to silence people and to oppose people in unfair ways because they think they have numbers on their side and the majority, and it's easy to it's easy to punish people without any real consequence because they've got the group on their side, which not in this case, but in a lot of cases is violent and hostile in nature. And it becomes a situation where these type of things happen and they, they think it's totally okay. Like in his mind, that's probably his paper and he has total control over it. And that's a product of this this false sense of entitlement that has come out of these circumstances where everybody thinks the same and everybody 
is on a trend because it's fashionable, not because they actually believe in it, but because it's easier to just go along with the rhetoric that's being spewed around because you won't be opposed and you won't have to think. And you won't have to do any defending of yourself. And that's, that's the true fascism in America to me. I mean, it's almost actually the definition. You know, people in positions of power imposing their beliefs on people in, in an authoritarian way. And basically, what I think is that we need more people like Rachel who recognize this and aren't afraid to walk into a space that isn't emotionally safe and just ask questions and be in a conversation and do the real progressive work in this country, not this fake progressivism disguise for fascism. You know, you're supposed to question everything and stand up for what is right and be a part of the conversation and not just go out and hold signs with rhetoric on them and chant stupid chants. You're supposed to join the conversation and and don't let your superior or your editor tell you what you can and can't say because the conversation ends with censorship but the conversation begins when you confront it.